This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You know, you always crawl before you walk, and then you walk before you run, unless you're me. And then you're just gimping everywhere in crutches. I, I love learning how to do things. But I love learning how to do things that I can do well fairly quickly. <laughs> you sound like me. Hello. <laughs> and that is what's so incredible about the outdoors. It's very liberating for everybody. Even for people oh, that are 100% able-bodied, when you accomplish something, it's very it's uh, very fulfilling and very rewarding. You'll find on your bow hunt when you accomplish this, you're going to be like, man, I am freaking awesome. Uh, <laughs> Let's clarify. I was not squeezing him. <laughs> it was rocky. It was a bro squeeze. But Scrabbling. At, scrabbling. I've never scrambling. heard that. Scrabbling. scrabbling. Is scrabbling an actual term? Hey, this is Christy Titus, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, Episode 6. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. All right, thank you guys so much for joining us for the next episode of Living Country in the City. We are still here at the International Sportsman's Expo in Salt Lake City, uh, having a great time. Stopped by and picked up some new uh, diaphragm calls here, and amazingly enough, you run into the greatest people here at the International Sportsman's Expo. I am here with Christy Titus. I hunted you down, actually, Sam. Let's just face it. (laughs) You were over there looking at calls. I saw you from across the booth. I was like, bam, I got to go sell to that guy. That guy looks (laughs) so confused. He needs help. (laughs) That I is, can tell. That is a man who no. has no idea what he's doing, is what you said to yourself. No. Let's face it. Let's face it. Yeah, she's teasing, but it's true, folks. It's true. Uh, I'm so impressed that you're here, though. Let's just be honest. Like, that's pretty incredible. Like, coming from an urban environment, it is so important for the future of shooting sports and hunting and our outdoor tradition that people that come from an urban jungle, if you will, get outside and explore wild places and immerse themselves in this culture because it's completely crazy. Like you're 
blowing elk calls and learning <laughs> and, and super enthusiastic about it. And, like, there's nothing better than that. That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. You know, and, and that's that's my motto is I like to say I'm bringing flyover state spirit to the concrete jungle. Ooh, so I love that. Yeah, those my, coastals. Yeah, are you a Dana Lash fan? Have you I, read her book, Flyover Nation? I have not. I will ah, have to. I will have to put that one on the show notes page yeah. and remember to check it out. You should so. read it. It's a good read. But we are here. Um, I, I was making some. I've been walking around the the, the expo with my with my diaphragm call in, uh, scaring people mostly. <laughs> um, Just in the hotel. They're they're, they're <laughs> walking your around. Undisclosed location <laughs> yeah. in Salt Lake City. <laughs> well, really, I'm walking around, and, e- and and even here, you know, I'll walk by some of the some of the other booths, and 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 I'll kind of squeak out what vaguely resembles a call. And, and you'll see them looking around, and they'll look, like, under their booth. And then they'll look at me, and they'll be like, do you have something in your backpack? And I just kind of grin. I let another one off, and they're like, oh, my gosh. I've been looking around for, like, five minutes trying to figure out what what piece of machinery or what, what stand we have that's squeaking right now. <laughs> and You're like, no, it's me using my elk call. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm starting with the – I call uh, – that's my calf call, I'm <laughs> calling it. And then uh, – You know what? Here's the thing. Like, everybody starts somewhere with – Anything that you do in life, you know, you always crawl before you walk and then you walk before you run, unless you're me, and then you're just gimping everywhere in crutches. <laughs> um. what, what you can't <laughs> see is she's sitting here with the bionic leg going yeah, on right now. Yeah, full on bionic um. leg, yeah, and crutches. It's pretty impressive. But what I'm impressed by you is, is you're trying. And so, like Rocky and I, Rocky is the founder of Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, which is also known as Bugle and Bull Game Calls. He is the inventor of the pellet plate diaphragm call. And he and I are coming out with a series that will be on my digital channel this year, Pursue the Wild, um, on YouTube and also on elknetwork.com of how-tos. So like you were going through with Rocky in the booth, how to make your first sound, how to just get that diaphragm to give you an octave before, you know, it's like playing an instrument, right? You're trying to learn how to control airflow, tongue pressure, all of these components to get it to sound like an elk. So uh, you're doing a good job. You're on your, you're on your way. So your little squeak is the beginning of that calf call. Well, and it's one of those things. I have, I've never been the kind of person that's good at, at taking steps to get to something. You I'm, just want to get there. I just want to be – I mean, to, I feel like, okay, everyone's like that to some extent, but I'm, I'm really bad. I, I, I love learning how to do things. But I love learning how to do things that I can do well fairly quickly. <laughs> you sound like me. Hello. Yeah, so, we are the cut from the same cloth. <laughs> it's 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 been a bit of a been a bit of a struggle, but it's 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 fun coming over and and being at a place like this where everyone is honestly so, uh, so excited to help you out, mm-hmm. even even if you're not looking to buy something. Or or whatever. Somebody's like, oh, you don't know? Okay, here, let me show you this. I got I got I got uh, squeezed in the stomach to uh, to get some stuff demonstrated. <laughs> not by that me. Was, uh, <laughs> Let's clarify. I was not squeezing him. It was Rocky. It was a bro squeeze. <laughs> bro squeeze. Bro squeeze. Uh, trademarked now. It is trademarked um, now. That's like the country squeeze. <laughs> country squeeze. <laughs> It's a it's an official elk call teaching technique. Apparently, yeah, apparently. It's, a, it's a it is a technique now. I'm going to use yeah. that in in the future. At least it is now. Um, but it I, it actually did. It was effective because it made me realize. I know it made me realize a lot of what I'm doing is I'm sitting there and playing with the diaphragm in your mouth and not coming from your stomach and in my mouth. And I know you know I'm, I I can add or release pressure from the from the latex with my tongue, but. I was not using my diaphragm whatsoever, yeah. and it's, it's, it was all coming straight from my chest and my throat, and so it, w- it was that 
all of a sudden I'm like, okay, a lot more things are clicking now with how, how it works and how you control. And honestly, just when you watch other people bugle, you see their diaphragms like mm-hmm. pumping like crazy. Um, but it, it was... It's a guttural sound. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. You and elk do it too. When, they, when they're bugling, you watch a bull tip his head back and he bugles. Yeah. His stomach and all other parts are usually <laughs> <laughs> moving around and that's... It's a guttural sound for sure. It's it's one of those things. I I remember the the first time somebody showed me uh, a video of a, a bull elk just letting loose mm-hmm. a huge bugle. I was just I can't even imagine. I'm I'm going on my first elk hunt this September. Uh, Where are you going? What state? It's looking like Idaho. Uh, I'm I'm still holding out for those Arizona draw odds. My like point zero zero yeah one percent. Yeah, hold your breath a little longer. Mm-hmm. You know. Hey, it's I, all good. Idaho's not, a great state. I'm not giving anything up, but on the off you're chance. You're going to want to move from L.A. to Idaho. I have a feeling. Well, I mean, between you and me and, and absolutely everyone listening, uh, <laughs> that's, that's always been a bit of a desire. It's, I've, I've been fighting between Montana and Idaho for where, I, where I've always wanted to live. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got a lot of friends out in Idaho, um, in Boise and up in Coeur d'Alene. Mm-hmm. And so it's as far as for a, a decent distance out of state hunt, that's a good place for me to go because I've got some – some little home spots I can go and that's people awesome. I can visit. Are you time. rifle hunting or bow hunting? I am bow hunting. I, uh, I, I'm determined to uh, make it as difficult on myself as possible. It's perfect. Um, I, I think I might actually uh, tie one hand behind my back too while I'm Yeah, at well, it, so. you don't need an arm. It's fine. <laughs> I have no legs, so you're fine. I mean, it's all a luxury. <laughs> if people learn to shoot without an arm, so you're, you'd be well, fine. Well, I mean, honestly, and I did just get a chance to talk to the guys over at Operation Pay It Forward. Mm-hmm. They were telling me some great stories about a lot of these guys that that go on these hunts, and they were talking about a triple amputee who Absolutely. bow hunts, mm-hmm. and he pulls his bow back with his teeth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if that's if not, that's not one of the most bad things I've ever heard. I mean, come on. The outdoors but. is very healing, and and what it does is there's a saying: adapt, improvise, overcome. And when Urban America is made to make everybody comfortable and feel good, right? You have wheelchair ramps, you have safety handles, you have everything is safe and controlled as much as possible. And you get in the wild and you don't have all that, right? So you have to adapt, improvise, overcome. And and people not only discover ability, they rediscover ability that they maybe perhaps once thought was lost. And so it becomes not only physically healing, but mentally healing as well. And that is what's so incredible about the outdoors. It's very liberating and for everybody, even for oh, people absolutely. that are 100% able-bodied. When you accomplish something, it's very, it's uh, very fulfilling and very rewarding. You'll find on your bow hunt when you accomplish this, you're going to be like, "Man, I am freaking awesome! I just did that." <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if we're being completely honest, I already think that of myself anyway, <laughs> because I'm so humble. Um, have it here, folks. The humble words of Sam. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, that's one thing that has never been said before. Uh, but, no, it's I, – I get a lot of people that come to me and they're like, oh, how long are you going? Thinking, you know, I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, just a weekend. And no, I'm going out, uh, you know, eight days, you know, maybe a day and a half worth of driving. And and they look at me like I'm absolutely insane. And, and these aren't even just people – you know, I've got a lot of friends that, you know, the thought of – having to do their business in a bush scares the ever-loving uh-huh. nonsense out of them. And, and then, but th- I've also got friends that I, I go camping with, they go fishing, yeah. but the thought of putting on a backpack 
carrying carrying everything you got with you and hiking into where there's you know lions, lions and tigers, tigers and bears. And bears. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. I get it. And uh, I've I've probably been asked in the last three months. Are, aren't you afraid of getting eaten more times than the rest of my life? Combined? You know what my answer to that is? I am more afraid of the two-legged predator, as in man, than mm-hmm. I am of any four-legged predator out there. It's insane. People calculate in capacities and are capable of things that most wild animals innately don't have any desire to be as vicious as. It's really incredible that people lose perception of that. Well, you're you're talking to a guy who lives in the middle of Los Angeles. Exactly. I, I have seen more than I more than I care to think about, but it's I've been you know anyone that knows me they know how many times I've been hit by cars and whoa whoa talking, oh yeah <laughs> hold the phone here are you the guy on the Instagram YouTube viral thing that gets hit by the Uber driver no <laughs> no no not that <laughs> oh, I, you're not that guy I just want to clarify because I have seen enough, that I may get I may get some hate because I this, think but, that was uh, in L A I may get some hate for this but I <laughs> am the guy that uh, was riding a motorcycle and yelled at someone to get off his cell phone. And the guy then chased me down and rammed me with his car. Oh, man. So that's, I think, that's got about 2.8 million. So he's part cat as well because he's got nine lives. Oh, man. I've got, I'm, I'm working on, I'm working on my own bionic, bionic body. You know, I ask, I ask for the, uh, the metal skeleton and they, they just put a couple of I don't uh, encourage it. I'm going to tell you, I got the bionic leg. It's not that great. Yeah, I did. I, I've got, I've got the foot. I think I fractured my shoulder, cracked ribs. Uh, I've got a pretty nice scar up my back from. So you're going to be so safe in the woods. I, you I mean, can this rest is sa- so you much can safer rest for me. So soundly under the blanket of freedom that we have in this country, and knowing that you're not going to get hit by a car, you're you know fine. What? There's a lot <laughs> less bears in in the woods of Idaho than there are people likely to run me over with their car. I agree. Crossing the street in LA, and this isn't this isn't even just I'm I'm just a magnet for bumpers. Like I don't even have to be <laughs> on my old motorcycle. And I we're, don't. We're sitting right now as we speak oh, yeah. behind. A Jeep right now. I'm not as worried about the back bumper. It's the front bumper it's that I always <laughs> have trouble with. That's the one that, that tends Gets to get you me every into time trouble. Right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I had someone I was out running with my dog, and uh, somebody just decided to roll through a right turn without without looking, and and I turned. I was wearing my boots, and I just plant my boot right in their right in their grill, and they nearly ran over my dog. Yeah. And oh man. So the moral of the story is your boot is going to stop a bear much more likely than a car. True. Um, true. And, and you so know what? The bear spray is really not going to work on the on the car windshield. No, uh, it's not. Tells me. But you really, I really firmly believe you are safer in the wilderness, quote unquote, than you are in the wilds of L.A. I mean, I get mm-hmm. much more nervous about that. So people, I mean, what are the, what are some of the things other than people think you're crazy? I mean, because you're going out for eight days <laughs> in the woods. I, well, they, and of course we're all. You know, drinking beer, Bubba Hunters, right? Oh, I of mean, course, sure. Of course, you know, I, I'm, I am, of course, wearing my. Well, I say this tongue in cheek because I do have one, uh, but I, I am wearing my, you know, uh, sleeveless button up right now with my, yeah. uh, with my nice rack hat on. That's uh, right. But no, you drank a six pack before you walked in here this morning. Because are you kidding me? We got a twelve pack in front of us right, right now. That's, that's right. What's, that's crazy. what's happening. So um, that you know, that's a horrible misconception that hunters have. And what's really cool, I think, in the hunting movement now is a cultural, especially our age demographic, is that hunters are really being known now as athletes. 
And that movement has really taken hold. I work with a company called Wilderness Athlete and you know, our, our entire goal is whole body health all the time. Mind, body, soul, health, workout, condition. You know, there's no, there's nothing more important than taking care of, of the human frame. And I can attest to that in my current situation. <laughs> and, and hunters really are athletes. And uh, especially when you get to Idaho and you're schmacking up and down 7K altitude and you got 40 pounds on your back or more, yep. you're going to be like, wow, I've this been is a crusher. One of the one of the benefits of living where I do is I'm I'm right on Hollywood and Vine, and I've got the Hollywood Hills right. I behind already me. knew that actually because I yeah Insta stalked. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. So much as I'm I swear I'm the easiest person to stalk online. I figure it all comes out anyway, so I just I just make it you all. Just public. tell everybody. But uh, I'm I'm right in the middle of Hollywood, and so I've got the Hollywood Hills right behind me, and uh, there's a lot of really steep inclines up there, and of course it, it's not ever going to be the same as, as running at altitude and scra- yeah. scrabbling over rocks and, and through brush. But scrabbling. At, scrabbling. I've scrabbling, never heard that. Scrabbling. scrabbling. Is scrabbling an actual term? I don't know, but I really like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that now. We just made up our new word. It seems appropriate it's with really rocks. It's really important, I think. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Um, but scrabbling up over rocks, you know, it's uh, – but it, at least I can I'll – I'll throw on my pack and, you know, I'll toss – I, I like to actually pack it mm-hmm. versus uh, sometimes I'll just, if I'm feeling lazy, I'll just throw some weights in. But I like actually packing it because it sandbags gives me that are nice. Oh, I should try that. I didn't B- think about Build that. your own sandbag. It, sand is cheap where you're at, right? You go to the <laughs> beach uh, or Home Depot and get a bag of sand. But um, sandbags are great because it's, okay. it's straight dead weight and it's soft. It's not going to beat you up. It's not, your well, I feel like it expands to fill the pack a bit more, mm-hmm. and it, it probably balances the distribution. A lot more, you yeah. can you can set your load lifter straps on your pack and readjust your weight to your hips and get your belt waist belt tight and all those nice components. That's the other new skill I'm learning is your backpack shouldn't drag your shoulders down. Or well, my backpack has more straps than, than a straight jacket. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. You know, and I I've, I've picked up a couple of uh, a couple of used packs that I. That I'm, I'm trying different packs mm-hmm. and I'm experimenting with stuff and I'm still I'm I'm still ninety percent sure I gotta I gotta get someone to give me the rundown on exactly. So how you to set need to talk up. to Aaron Schneider. He uh, designs packs and for a company called Kafaru. Oh yeah, I've got two Kafaru packs. Okay, so. so Aaron is your guy. He's the he's the pack guru. He also does a podcast. Maybe you guys could swap podcasts, but. Um, <laughs> He, uh, that's who you need to talk to to help you get set up. He's the gym. He's legit. He knows what he's doing, and he will, I guarantee you, help you. Okay. Yeah, I, it's, I've got all this stuff separately mm-hmm. that I, you know, I've, I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm such a research guy. I will, you know, I've got my subscription to Elk 101. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got Renella's books that I'm reading. I've, that I'm dude on is a stud. Every website. I love, I love that that's on Netflix now. But I got so excited because I've. I watched it. Uh, I, wa- I watched a show. I listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. and then I saw it on Netflix. And I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm binge watching this." Uh, but it's it's so exciting to see him making it super accessible, and he introduces people to stuff in such an accessible way that you know he sits and he talks about. He does a whole show about grinding meat and how you know, oh, this is super lean, so you need to mix this in, and it's and it's a cooking show. And then the next one, suddenly they're in Alaska hunting moose. It's all of a sudden, you know, people realize, okay, once again, like you said, the, the two the Bubba's sitting there. You know, that's that's cool. Uh, I have a, pod, or a digital TV series I'm starting that'll be on my YouTube channel. It's just YouTube 
username Pursue the Wild, or you can find me under Christy Titus, or it's on Elk Network. And we'll have uh, I'll post up the show the notes page for this, uh, and we'll have all of the links, all of the social media goodness, all of that good stuff. Uh, you can find it. I'll announce uh, the show notes page at the end of the podcast. So. so the cool thing about what I'm doing is a lifestyle, and um, I'm showing hunts. I'm showing shooting sports events. So we're going to get out to the gun range and get some tannerite out and oh, blow up some stuff. But that's the most fun. In a completely practical sense. I mean, it's <laughs> badass. It's- However, you know, when you're hunting and you're breathless and you need to learn how to build a shooting position under mm-hmm. a breathless stressor or a time constraint, um, you know, the deer's going to head into the timber. You can train for that, right? So we're going to show that on my series. I'm going to have a ton of tips, a ton of tactics. Rocky and I are filming the elk calling tips and tactics together. We're going to do some turkey calling stuff. I'm going to have shooting sports tips and tactics. It's going to be a plethora of information. In fact, there's about 80 tips a year I'm, I'm scheduled to produce right now. But on top of that is going to be some really dynamic, awesome cinematography and episodes showing conservation, showing land stewardship, showing, um, you know, condition, continuation of our hunting traditions, you know, women getting involved in the outdoors and shooting sports. So it's really dynamic. It's going to be a lot of fun and cooking. So I do a lot of cooking. So I went steelhead fishing a couple weeks ago, caught a bunch of steelhead, which were getting ready to spawn. And and they were uh, oversized B-run steelhead, which are like 17-pound fish. (laughs) And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, those are no good. They're spawned out. You can't eat them. Well, it's not true. They smoke very, very well. Okay. And so I'm going to do a cooking show on smoking the fish, and then I have another segment on making dips with uh, crackers. And so it's a full movement of how to be successful in the field being successful, or at least trying, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Training to be successful in the gym, at the gun range, and then preparing the meals afterwards. And, and so showing a full lifestyle. And I'm really excited about it. I feel like that's, that's really what you have to show is you can't just show one piece of it because it is a lifestyle. It's, it is. It's a whole culture and lifestyle. And if you only show... Anything out there, any lifestyle, any culture out there, if you only show one small piece of it, it's going to be taken out of context. It's going to be confusing. It's going to be – it can be shown in a negative light. It can be shown in a positive yep. light. And so it's so important to show all of that from start to finish. Um, I think I think Cam Haynes talks about – he has, like, this strategy Absolutely. about how he posts. When he posts about, about a hunt or a kill or something, he'll, he'll post about – being out in the wilderness first and then you know he talks about okay and then he posts like the meal afterwards and then the the absolute last thing he posts is the kill because he wants to create this whole picture of what's going on before the 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 one piece that everyone you know a lot of people like to show well and a lot of people especially in urban areas like where your listeners might be coming from um or we're hoping to get (laughs) inspired right um a lot of them don't understand how hunting is conservation and that is something that the mainstream media does not deliver that narrative they deliver the narrative of oh we killed cecil the lion we are trophy hunters we hunt for heads we are bad people what what they're not telling is that state license tag sales and um, hunting fees are producing 75% of all revenue that is going for state budgets for conservation. Mm-hmm. So we are literally funding 75% of conservation in, in, across the country. The Pittman-Robertson Act, um, the taxation of ammunition, firearms, archery equipment, fishing, 
is over $341 million a year that's going to conservation. And that was lobbied for by hunters. This was Absolutely. not it was some a government driven. mandate. No. And it started back in the 1930s we started this. So we truly are the first crusaders in conservation. You take a group like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. We have over 220,000 members, 10,000 on-the-ground volunteers, 500 chapters. And this small group of people, we have conserved or enhanced over a million acres, or excuse me, 7 million acres. And we have opened access to people to enjoy public lands on over a million acres. So when antis come at me or people start saying to me, well, you're horrible, you kill a deer, you killed a turkey, you killed this, you killed that. Well, not only can I go back to you and say, okay, well, nothing is wasted here. We're consumers. We consume meat. The value of the animal is revered and appreciated, but we are making the world a better place. And I can list you 10 reasons how I've helped conservation, and I can tell you how I'm a conservationist every year. Earth Day is coming up. I don't need Earth Day to remind me that I need to be a steward to the land. I practice that daily. Um, I volunteer my time on the ground. I remove old barbed wire fences. I help restore water sources. I help prescribe birds. I'm on the ground making our habitat better places, more access for people to enjoy. And so when, when I have anti-hunters come at me, I, I, I combat them with facts. And I say, okay, well, this is what I've done. What have you done? And then they'll come at me with another angle and I'll, I'll answer that. Okay, well, this is what I've done for conservation or land stewardship or wildlife and betterment. What have you done? And when you start putting it back on them, what have you done? And they've done nothing except <laughs> Uh, people tend to go away really fast because nobody wants to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I've, I'm speaking really loud and I'm talking a lot of smack, but I'm not backing any of it up. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard reality to face when you feel so impassioned about something and you're really not doing anything except talking smack. Well, I mean, and it's, it's an emotional subject. I will For not sure. deny it's an emotional subject, but when that's all you have, and, and don't get me wrong, I love my dogs, I love my pets, and... And you can attest, we love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. We love these animals. We feel this huge connection with them. And it's, and it's that, that weird kind of almost contradiction that we have. But I love elk so much. Most of the time when I hunt, I'll get teary after I take an animal's life. Like, I appreciate what they've given me. I mean, it's a very profound moment. But it's also very beautiful, too, because of what you've done with that animal's life, mm-hmm. right? It's not something that's wasted. It's not something that's disrespected. And, again, it goes back to the a lot of people have this Bubba mentality. And, and um, once you educate them how, you know, we're not really like that, um, it's, it's very it's life-changing for people. It's life-changing for kids in urban cities to learn where meat comes from. Mm-hmm. They think it comes from the grocery store in this really pretty white styrofoam package with a little diaper in the bottom that absorbs the blood because, heaven forbid, there be any blood in the package and you know all the traces of livelihood of the animal has to be removed you can't see blood you can't see flesh you can't see skin heaven forbid somebody admit that it actually breathed and someone killed it you know all of that's removed and kids don't even understand where meat comes from you know you you show them a picture of a pig and then you talk about bacon and there's no association of the two none whatsoever none and so i think you know hunters really if people want to learn more about hunting as conservation how we are creating this entire movement and have been since, like I said, the 1930s. Go on rmef.org and check out the Hunting is Conservation campaign and see really what hunters are doing. Uh, it's incredible movement. And kids need to know that the meat in the grocery store, something dies for that. Yep. And someone's killing it for you. I just am okay with killing my own animal. 
And you know what? You because I love it and I appreciate it. I hunt it. Well, you gain a respect for it. Absolutely. I mean, and if we're being completely honest here, I think obesity would probably go down significantly if everyone had to go out and, and hunt animals. work for their own meat. <laughs> I know, right? Not only would we be having much more lean meat, we'd have you'd, a healthier you'd be working population. For it, you wouldn't be eating so much, and it—I mean, it's—it you do gain that respect and the effort that goes into it. You have this animal that has lived a life out in the wild, and it's out there versus a cow which has been raised in a pen. And or feedlot. Yeah, they're not even know, in a pen. They're and, until the day somebody comes up, puts it on a conveyor belt, and they go shoots bye-bye. a metal rod right through its head. I mean, that's that's a really you know humane humane way of doing things. I'm sure, but uh, I just I guess it's one of those things where they say if you want to convince someone of a point, you really have to immerse them. Immerse them, but you also have to understand their point of view, and I guess mm-hmm. that's that's my difficulty. Is I just I just can't see it. I can't. I I cannot understand this this hatred of people that go out mm-hmm. and hunt. And it's I mean you know they like to style themselves as the most altruistic and loving and forgiving and caring people when they're the first ones that'll send death threats to your family because you posted a picture of a cat. Absolutely. (laughs) Trust me, I know that one. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's horrible. It's very disheartening that how mean people are, and especially to women. The ladies really get it bad. Uh, Not so much me because I don't tolerate it. I don't (laughs) deal with it. I'm going to tell you right now, you come at me, we're going to have a little battle of words, and it's going to be Again, based on fact, based on science. And when people have no argument against fact and science, they go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I I mean, I've gotten in some great Twitter feeds. <laughs> I was going to say, you be careful. You start talking too much smack, you may get a knock at the door. And yeah. You, you, know, <laughs> you may but be surprised who yeah, shows up. Yeah, I mean, you have to. You have to. But that's the thing. Hunters have to arm themselves with facts. We have to arm themselves ourselves with the facts so that we can be proud of who we are. And we can be proud to be hunters. And there's nothing... I don't think any greater that any other group of movement is doing than hunters. And that's one part that I think, I don't think we consider enough about being responsible hunters uh, is being educated is you can be, you can be an ethical hunter and, and go out and, and kill an animal ethically and do everything right. But I feel like to truly be a responsible hunter, you also have to be educated about this. And when somebody does come at you Mm -hmm. like that, be able to respond to them because it's all part of representing it in the right way. If, you know, somebody walks away coming at you with all this emotion and you have no answers for them, then are you you really representing things in the Mm -hmm. best way or are you someone that kind of just looks like you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll admit there's, there's things I don't have answers to. It's, it's, it's always a process. I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be the person that knows. For sure. Nobody needs, nobody should know everything. Nobody knows everything. I mean, this is a learning process, but I think the platform, if somebody doesn't understand is being number one, respectful of someone and inquiring like, Hey, mm-hmm. respectfully, like, I don't understand why you're hunting. This doesn't make sense to me. I love deer. Why would you want to shoot a deer? And as a hunter, it's my job to educate them why we hunt deer. In as science-based, ethics-based, non-name-calling-based <laughs> format. And if everybody could be respectful and nice, I mean, there's there's no reason that we can't see each other's sides. And that's... To that's, some degree. That's where it, it does get frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? I, I 
I've had conversations with people, and and we've both had to just walk away and say, okay, we're going to agree to disagree, but Absolutely. we remain friends. They're not going to they're not going to sit and spew hate on my on my Instagram page, and I'm not going to show up to their vegan dinner and with a and drop a steak on the table. Well, I may do that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, not me! I don't want anything to do with your snakes. You want to see me? Steak, oh, I think snake. snakes. I'm like, you want to <laughs> see me scream like a girl? You bring a snake to dinner, I'm gone. <laughs> I'll face a grizzly bear. I'm not facing your snake. <laughs> I, I just, I'm out. <laughs> in, in, in my podcast with Bo and her brotherhood, we were talking. We were talking about different animals. You know, we're just like, yeah, you know, I love the wild. I, I love all kinds of animals. And you put, he's like, I love everything except for snakes, man. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't do the snakes. It's me. I think his thing, he was saying it was it was a body language thing. Because yeah. everything else, you're like, I know when that thing's about to charge me, bite me, attack me, for the most part. Body language, yeah. Snakes, they don't, you know, they they may be looking at you, just checking you out one minute, and all of a sudden, you're, half of your hand's gone. Yeah. <laughs> or they're biting you, and ew, they're so creepy, and <laughs> horrible. Like, I, you remember Joe Rogan's old show, what was that, um... Grosser than gross, or something like something that like it? that, or um, I can't even remember the old show. Where's my phone? I'm, I'm gonna look this up while we're talking right now. Disgusting things, fear not, or fear. What was it? I can't. Wait, remember. We're not talking about fear factor. Fear factor. Yes. Oh, is that the, wait, was that fear Joe fact. Rogan? Joe Rogan f- hosted that. So wow. fear factor. I about that. Back in the day, this is how old I am. When they made the girls and the guys get in the snake pit. That was it for me. I would be out. I would be like, you know what? The money is not worth it. You keep your snake pit. I, I'm now. I'm out. That's it. I'm tuned out. So Done. I remember as a kid, I w- we would go camping every year. Uh, since I was probably three years old, we would go up. Uh, it's in it's in the Sequoia National Forest, Kings Canyon area. Uh, it's a place called Hume Lake. It's a small camp. It's a, it's a lake up there. And uh, my family, we'd go up and we'd rent a cabin, rent the same cabin every year since I was about three and we'd spend a week up there and they had this kids program called the Fox's Den uh-huh. and uh, I'd, I'd go and they had, they had snakes and they had all kinds of different snakes and king snakes and, but they had little garden snakes that we could play, like we could pull out and, you know, hold and, and I loved it. And, but then there was just one day I, I got older. I don't know when it was high school, college. I just decided, nope. Done. No more. I'm like I, not okay with it. I don't. I don't know what it is. If I just suddenly became, saw too many YouTube videos, or I don't. I don't know what what flipped that switch for me. But it used to be I would have, I would have probably picked up a rattler at, at that age. I mean, without any fear. Uh, I just had no problem with them. But then I love frogs. That switch. I'm cool with frogs. I'm like, the, but the snakes, man, it's not even like most people are like, oh, it's the texture. You don't like the texture. I'm like, no, I, I'm cool with frogs. It, snakes don't have a, that, I mean, they're scaly, but they're not like slimy or no, anything. No, they're not, not slimy. They're just creepy and a weird, creepy snake. Ooh. Oh, man. I don't even know how we got on that. I thought you said snakes. For yeah, that was a, snakes. Dropping, a, dropping a snake, dropping on, a, a snake on, a on a vegan table. Yeah. That's, that's one of, that's a, a very old <laughs> idiom. Um, <laughs> Yep, yep, he really dropped the snake on the vegan's table. <laughs> um, We're I'm making gonna, this up as we go that's, along. That's, that's usually how I live life. <laughs> it's great. I love it. So what are your plans from here? What are you, where are you off to now? What's your next crazy adventure? Um, really, it's uh, – well, I work for a music festival company. So right now my next – I don't know if it's a crazy adventure, but uh, month of April is our busy season. So I move out to the desert uh, 
in near Palm Springs in Indio, California, for about a month to uh, sit and go to music festivals. And we, uh, our, our company, uh, helps basically sets up an entire city. Sounds like Woodstock. We do uh, well. We do Coachella and Stagecoach. Those are mm-hmm. our two big, uh, two biggest festivals, or a couple of the biggest festivals. Awesome. Um, and we have a really good time out there. So there's that. But uh, I usually, I usually take because we're out in the desert. I'll usually take my gear out. I'll take the guns out. Yeah. I'll take the bow. Uh, in between the weeks, I'm gonna hopefully find some downtime where I can pack the bag and just hike out and and put the gear through a real test. Mm-hmm. Just see how far I can carry it. Start just shedding stuff when I when I well, don't. Well, guys that like you, you're gonna do really well packing weight. Wiry guys do a really good job in the mountains. Like they are. I'm working on it. A lot tougher <laughs> than like. Like, I, I went on a sheep hunt one year, and this guy was, like, 130 pounds. He was smaller than me, and he crushed it. Big dudes were dying, and he's like, blah, 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 blah. Well, we got uh, so much yeah. less to carry. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's so your your frame can hold so much more, and it's incredible what you'll accomplish. So I've got an NRA. I do t- NRA tips and tactics. So if you're looking for some rifle tips for entry-level rifle shooting tips, rifle fit, eye relief, uh, proper length of pull, setting positional shooting in the field, how to do a follow-up shot when you're in a hunting situation. I just released a brand new series of tips and tactics on NRATV.com. You can look under my instructor instructor name and or if you go on my social media, like I've got some links up to it now. But um, check those out, man. Like those might help prepare you in the field, especially so this year. All of my tips are like hunting centered. Okay. So if you're hunting with somebody and they're getting ready to to break a shot on a deer, what do you need to be doing if you're the observer? How do you work in a shooter-observer pair in, in a hunting situation? And uh, they're pretty interesting. So it might maybe before you go on your hunt, check those out. I definitely will. And so because this is my podcast, however, uh, however much I want to get information out to everyone else, I also want to be a little bit selfish, and it's my excuse to sit down and steal you for a minute and yes. ask for tips. So I am going on uh, – it, it's most likely going to be Idaho – uh, archery hunt, mm-hmm. um, DIY style hunt, uh, any, just off the top of your heads. I know there's probably a, a ton of stuff, but any, any tips for me, for my, for my first hunt? So my biggest thing with elk hunting and I've hunted elk is like, I live to hunt elk. Um, if you hear an elk bugle, the first thing you want to do is get the wind in your favor, which I mean, has anybody explained how that works? With right, the wind and the thermals. Yep. So in the morning, the air is cooler, so the wind is going to be, he- or the air is going to be heavy, so it's going to be going down the hill. As that air heats up, it the, which is called a shift in thermal. Sometimes that happens at seven in the morning, six in the morning. Sometimes it happens at ten in the morning. You got to watch that, and they'll start going up the hill. So depending on where you want to hunt, you have to time it for the time of day, right? So if there's a draw or drainage you want to get down into and you want to get down in the morning, you don't want to drop in from the top of that. You want to hit one drainage over left or right or whatever and work around to the bottom and get below and work up or wait for the wind to change before you drop in. So my thing is with elk hunting is if I get an elk to talk to me, like if I have a bull bugle, a lot of people want to bugle back and call it in. And I'm not saying you shouldn't call in elk. Calling in elk is great. But we're hunters. And if if I give away my advantage of him knowing where I'm at, I lose an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have a bull call and it's in the morning and the wind's going down and he's below me, I know that I either want to hang there and wait for the wind to change or try to figure out a way to get around him and below him and then come up to him. 
And I always want to do that. I mean, you don't know where they're moving to. It's hard to keep track of them. A lot of people just want to try to keep them talking. Um, but less is more. Be stealthy. Use the wind. Use your sneaking ability. Be quiet. Listen. You know, like most people get in such a hurry to get in the woods. They want to get somewhere. They want to go hunting. That they blow through a bunch of terrain. They blow by a bunch of sign. They blow through a bunch of opportunities. And they spook elk. They spook game. That they're going so fast to get somewhere. That they run right through where they should be not running through. So listening like when i was younger i used to get so mad my dad would take naps and i'd be like oh my gosh we should be hunting but just sitting down and sometimes chilling for half an hour just think about what you want to do think about your plan you know and you know if you can kind of on a topo map or google earth or whatever you're using figure out where are likely places that these elk are going to be bedding you know okay where where are places they're going to have cover elk love northwest facing slopes to bed okay so if I know in the morning they've probably been feeding all night long and they're going to want to go to bed. So where's an ant potential ambush point? Um, where would they want to water? So they're going to want food, water, shelter. Those are kind of the three basic needs that they have. And, and during archery season, the fourth would be breeding. Um, so those are the things you want to look at. So when you're looking at a map, you want to look for northwest facing slopes. That's where those bulls are going to want to bed. They're going to look for benches three quarters of the way up a hill that's where they like to be if you can find those benchy areas a lot of times you'll find elk on them um figure out where those south facing slopes where where are the elk feeding what are they eating where is their food source where is their water once you can figure that out on your map then you can say okay well i've got food here i've got water here and i've got a great timber pocket here for them to bed and have safety and shade during the day so in the morning, if they're going to bed, I might be able to find and cut them off here. Or if I know in the afternoon they're maybe coming down to water because it's been 80 degrees, I can set up a tree stand on some water and potentially ambush them here. And so game trails are going to tell you how their patterns of movement are going, you know, looking for fresh sign. And a lot of sign, people are looking for all these tracks. Well, you'd be surprised how many elk can make, like, no sign. <laughs> you know, one track is all you need, really. Um, one track, a little fresh poo, a fresh rub, where they've been rubbing their antlers. Um, all of that stuff's going to tell you a story. It's going to tell you, I always want to read into the story of what the elk are telling me with, with this behavior. Is, you know, if they're rubbing a tree, I've got a bull that's probably feeling the urge of the rut, so he's going to be more susceptible to calling, pop, mm -hmm. probably, or at least answering. Um, if I feel like he has cows, he'll probably bugle, but maybe not come in, but there might be a satellite bull with him or in the surrounding area that is eager to breed that will come in. And so there's all these little cues you can get by looking at the environment, paying attention to the wind, paying attention to the terrain features, and that's how you are become a successful hunter. It, it just makes me laugh so much that mm. people can sit and, and still believe that, especially big game hunters, are complete ignorant redneck. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it blows me away. Not when it comes away. to bow hunting elk. <laughs> because yeah. there's just so much. There's, there's so, so much. much preparation. So much. So much learning. And, I mean, that's honestly, like, I'm, I am such a studying nerd. Like, mm -hmm. I, I love that part. I love to read. I love to get all, the, all this stuff. Um, it just, you know, it makes me feel more comfortable when, mm -hmm. I, go, when I go out. Uh, but there's just so much uh, that there is to learn and to truly be successful um, you know, there's, there's a lot of knowledge required. Mm -hmm. So on that note, if people wanted to hunt you down, uh, 
Where's the uh, Where's the best place to find you online? I'm online. Everything's at Christy Titus, K-R-I-S-T-Y-T-I-T-U-S. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then on YouTube is my username is Christy Titus, or you can also find me with Pursue the Wild, which Pursue is my new wild. digital series and my Elk Call series. So Okay. Uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to sit and talk with me. Glad to be here, man. Anytime you want me on, just let me know. Phone call away. Absolutely. (laughs) I will will take you up on on. that. So thanks again. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. That'll do it for Episode 6 of Living Country in the City. Another big thank you to Christy Titus for joining me. Make sure you give her a follow and check out her websites. You can find all of those links on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash six. Make sure you don't miss a single episode of Living Country in the City. Search for us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a subscribe. Also, if you enjoyed the show, give us a good rating. Make sure you check out our website and all our social media pages. Sign up for email updates. And in the meantime, stay country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. 